Well, praise God, that was brilliant, wasn't it? If you've got your Bibles, turn me with me to John chapter 6 this morning. We're going to talk about the, the miracle of Jesus walking on the water. And this is a, a, another sign in John's Gospel which we want to explore this morning and which we need to uh, step into. So as we look at this, God's children in the storm of life. We've already read from John chapter 6 and verse 16 and, and through there to 21. But what we want to do is, is understand the kind of context of this moment and what is taking place and what is happening. And there's some very clear messages within this scripture that, that reminds us. Now, to understand this scripture, we're also going to move into Matthew chapter 14 and we're going to move into Mark chapter 6. So we're going to move around as we think about this because different authors... Uh, spoke about this event in slightly different ways, but they come together with a complete picture. And the picture is this, that when we are in the middle of a storm, we've got to believe that the Lord Jesus Christ will come and meet with us. And so often in life, we, we can find ourselves in the middle of a storm, and we can find ourselves um, asking the Lord, you know, what, what is going on here? What is taking place? What is happening at this, this moment? Lord Jesus, what are you doing? You know, this is so difficult. This is so very, very hard. The situation is just earlier on, of course, is that Jesus has feeds the 5,000. And they're amazed at what he does. And the scripture says that surely this is a prophet who is to come into the world. And Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. What they understood at this moment was this. They understood that Jesus had done a remarkable sign and given them material things. Instantly, he'd taken the five loaves and the two fishes. He'd prayed over them and they had multiplied and Jesus had met their needs at the moment. And they were like, wow, this is amazing. This is the kind of king we need. This is the kind of king that comes and meets our needs. He meets our material needs. We need now to proclaim him as king right at this very moment. Right now, we need to declare, declare him as king at this moment. He's the one that can kick the Romans out. He's the one that can make a difference. He is the one we want. But of course, what Jesus is saying, what we understand is that he withdrew instantly because they were after material things and material signs. But we know from the teaching of Jesus, the bread of life, is that Jesus wanted to give them unimaginable spiritual experiences more than material. And he didn't just want to be a material king of, of the nation. He wanted to be a king of their hearts and to give them so, so much more. And there is a danger in each of our lives that we can, we can look at the material, but we forget the beauty and the wonder and the, and the majesty of having an intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. To experience that and to know that is the most wonderful thing. So why they want material gifts, actually what Jesus wants to give us is a spiritual gift that changes our lives, that is unimaginable 
available as we connect with our relationship to God. It's a beautiful thing. And in our lives, we mustn't forget the beauty and the glory of that relationship that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, of course, many people have looked at this story and Jesus walking on water and they've tried to explain it away. They've tried to say, well, of course, it didn't quite happen like this. Of course, you know, some have said, you know, many uh, different uh, critical theologians have said, well, Jesus was actually walking on stones as the boat was moving. And so he was walking on stepping stones, which is a problem because at that moment, he ju- when Peter jumps out the boat to join him, Peter starts to sink. So obviously they weren't stones. Other people have said, well, the word walking on the water should be translated walking around the lake. Well, that's not very convincing, is it? And walking around the lake. Instead, well, there's a storm, things are going on. It doesn't fit the context, but so many people want to take the signs of Jesus and dismantle them and take away the omnipresent, the all-powerful, the authority of Jesus Christ, the fact that he was God in the form of man and he came and even the very laws of gravity, they, they submit to Jesus who is Lord of all creation. And, and we can forget that. And we're in danger. But of course, we have this scene. Now what we notice in the verse before, Jesus knowing that they intended to come and to make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. A mountain by himself. What well, Jesus, of course, was exhausted. Jesus had given out, he had fed the 5,000 and he withdraws to a place to have communion with God because all of his strength, all of his power comes through that connection and that communion with God in his life. All of that is there. Now often in scripture, a mountain represents authority. It represents power. It represents that moment. And I love this picture And we get this idea as we look through the scriptures that that Jesus, that there now the disciples are on the lake. And of course they are battling against the wind and against the storm. Jesus is on the mountainside and he is there with the Father and there he is present with all authority that is in within Jesus Christ. But I'm reminded as well that not only is he present, but the scriptures also say that he saw them. He saw their storm. He saw their plight. He saw their problems. He saw what they were going through. And as he saw them, I'm reminded as I read this of Moses there on the mountainside. And there the the Israelites are battling against the Amalekites. And as Moses lifts his arms up, they're winning the battle. And his arms come down. And and Aaron and um, and her come and they lift him up with stones and Moses is praying and he's interceding for them. He's interceding for the battle. He is standing there on the mountain and I get that sense of Jesus in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the darkness, in the middle of what is happening on the lake as the disciples are in the middle of that battle. There is Jesus communing with the Father and he is praying for them and he's interceding for 
before them and he saw them. And I want to remind you that Jesus, when you're in the storm of your life, Jesus sees what you're going through. He sees your trauma. He sees your agony. He sees your tears. He sees the way that you battle. He sees the way that we struggle. And sometimes we feel that pain and we wonder, are you really with me? I'm in the middle of this storm, Jesus. Are you with me? And I want to tell you, But the beautiful thing about our Christian faith is that when you and I feel that we are at the end of ourselves and we feel like we can't keep going on, Jesus is there. He is on the mountain. He is going to come to you in the storm. He is going to meet with you. Boy, that should comfort us. That should encourage us. Because the truth is, life is not easy. And the truth is, Many of us know that we were in the storm. I don't know what the storm is you face, my dear friends. But that storm is real. And they're battling. And that battle is there. The miracle and its meaning. Matthew uh, 14, 22 tells us that Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. This is, this is perplexing, actually. Because he not only... He says to them, he wants them to go away. He almost compels them and tells them, get in the boat. Now, Jesus obviously knows that there is a storm coming and he asks them to go into the boat. And I don't know whether you've ever found yourself in that situation. But Jesus asks them to go into the boat and he propels them. Then suddenly they are... Literally compelled at that moment. And they're they're in the boat. And and the word made also can be translated compelled. Go on, guys. Move on. I want a bit of time on my own. I'm going up to the mountain with my father. Go on. So they're like, it's dark though. It's, It's, go on. Okay, we'll do it. They step into the boat. And then suddenly the wind starts to work against them. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, distance from the land buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. That word buffeted literally means it was tormented. It was was in pain. The boat was creaking. It was like a cork popping up and down. It was, it was tough. It was hard. And, and all they had been is obedient to Jesus. And when they were obedient to Jesus, they went out in the lake. And when they'd been obedient to Jesus, suddenly their situation is now tormented. And undoubtedly, Peter took control, being the fisherman and being the leader and grabbing hold of the sail and working things through. Come on, guys, we can do this. And they're feeling the, the movement of the, of, the, of the sea, they're feeling the intenseness, they're feeling perhaps the worry and the terror of the situation and what is taking place. And as they're feeling this moment, they're probably thinking, I would not be in this mess unless I, Jesus sent us out here. That's, 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 that's hard, isn't it? They were obedient. He compelled them to go. 
and now they're in the middle of a storm. (sighs) But is that so different from any of our lives and situations? Have you clearly heard from God at times to go and do something, to make a stand, to take that job, to be involved in that situation, to move in that direction, and suddenly, because you were obedient, you found yourself in a storm. Because you were obedient, you found yourself in a battle. Because you held on to what Jesus said, you found yourself being tossed around, and you're in a battle, and it's so difficult, and you're saying, but Jesus, you told me to come here, and now everything is falling to pieces. Everything is falling to pieces. What are you doing? Where are you? It's the middle of the night. It's dark. I am in grief. I am in torment. I feel ashamed. I feel frightened. I need help. You said do this and now I've done it. And all I am facing is wind blowing towards me in my life. What a, what a battle that is. What a battle it is. When you and I are at that moment and we're like, I've done nothing but be obedient and everything is tough. And this is the truth. The truth is this, and I've seen it again and again, that when we as followers of Jesus are obedient to God's word and obedient to do what he's asking us to do, it is often then that we face the strongest opposition. It is often then that we feel the pain. It's often then that we're wondering, how did I get in this mess? I just wanted to be obedient. But all of this, this wind is against me. This wind is, and and we're feeling this in culture as well. We're feeling the battle. We're feeling it so hard. We're feeling it's against me. It's tough. For some of you, you've been in ministry and God called you to places and you went to those places and you did what the Lord asked you to do but suddenly a storm came and a wind came against you and it was hard and you're wondering, why did God bring me to this place? God brought you to this place because you were obedient to him. And when you're obedient, there's a battle. You say, but I I chose to engage in this. I chose to do this. I really felt that this job was right for me. I listened to you, Lord. I listened to you. But Lord, why? I really thought that this person, this illness, this battle that I'm going through, this relationship breakdown, I don't know, whatever your storm is. But sometimes we feel the wind of resistance coming against us. Because we are being obedient. But there's a disobedience as well. We know from a storm of Jonah. Where Jonah was so disobedient and he went in the other way. And he tried to run away from God. Which is the opposite to what I'm talking about. I don't want God's calling. I don't want God's blessing. I don't want it because I know if I go to Nineveh and tell them about God's love, the whole city is going to become a Christian, become believing God as it were. And I really do not want this because I'm miserable. And I am going away right now. And I am in a mood with God. And I'm running away. And when he ends up in the belly of a fish. And that's what happens. That's what happens. But what about Moses? Moses. 
What about at the burning bush when the fire was there, but it was not consuming the bush? And as he sat there and he said, who are you? And, he said, and the Lord says, I am who I am. I am all. I am all consuming. I am all contained. I am eternal. I am omnipresent, omnipotent. I am present right at this moment. And Moses turned away and said, well, you know what, God? I'm not going to be obedient to you. I'm going to keep tending my sheep and my goats, okay? Well, if he'd done that, he'd had an easy life. It'd have been no problem with Pharaoh, no problem with the Red Sea in the way, no problem with moaning Israelites that are moaning and groaning and grumbling and grumbling and grumbling. He'd have had a, 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 no problems, no opposition, but he chose to be obedient and what he faced was opposition and problems. What about David? And what, about, what about Daniel? When Daniel was faced... And he says, no, I'm just going to have a quiet life. I'm not going to stand up for what is right. I'll I'll bow the knee. It's okay. He'd never ended up in the lion's den. He'd never faced the persecution. He'd never faced the intrigue and the political power that put his life at rest. He was obedient. But when he was obedient, he felt the winds of oppression and opposition against him. What about Paul? When Paul stood up for what is true, he could have stayed in Tarsus. He could have had a quiet academic life. He could have continued to expound the new Messiah, but wouldn't travel, wouldn't plant churches, wouldn't be in danger of shipwrecks, wouldn't be in danger of being beaten. Oh, he could have had an easy retirement life in Tarsus, but no, he chose to be obedient. And when you choose to be obedient, often... We, we face that opposition. You see, the word is faithfulness. Are we willing to be faithful to what God has asked us to do even though we're in the middle of a storm? Are we willing to be faithful? Because sometimes I feel, oh Lord, I, I, uh, this is so difficult, this is so hard, this is so tough. I'm in the middle of this storm and I want to be faithful. But I'm reminded that his eye is on the sparrow. And even in the middle of your storm, his eye is on you. He looks at you. He cares for you. He's interested in you. Mark, in a parallel account, says that Jesus saw them. And now John 17 said it was dark. He saw them in the darkness. Maybe your darkness is the depression you're going through. Maybe your darkness is a member of your family who is suffering with mental health issues. Maybe your darkness is the grief that you're carrying. Maybe your darkness is is unfulfilled dreams. Maybe your darkness is broken relationships. Maybe your darkness has been a battle because a child has been sick. I don't know what your darkness, but they're in the darkness. But notice what it says, Jesus saw them in the darkness. And let me remind you, please, that Jesus sees you in the darkness. Sees you. He sees you and he knows you. Can I remind you some beautiful words? Tell us, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? 
If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Where can you go? Where can you escape from the presence of God? Nowhere. And it's the most profound thing about the Christian faith, that a Christian can be in the darkest, most terriblest place in life and have the terrible diagnosis given to them and yet they feel immense peace and victory and hope because it is the power of God within their lives. Where can I go from you? Even in darkness you are there. And this world is dark but you will have the whole of eternity to enjoy the light of God. This world is tough. It is full of evil and death and pain and injustice and agony. Just read world history. But the answer to this world is the power of Christ that comes. So we have this, the darkest moment. And during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Notice he went out. This is the... This is, this is why did Jesus wait until the fourth watch, which is the darkest of all, 3 a.m. in the morning. I'm not at my best at 3 a.m. in the morning, I'll be honest with you. And in the middle of a storm, in the middle of darkness, and suddenly as, this, as it's raging and storming and they're in danger, suddenly Jesus, in the darkest moment, decides to come to them. I think we can gain a lot of understanding at this moment from the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11. Because the question we ask ourselves sometimes is why does God leave it to the 11th hour to turn up? (laughs) Have you ever had that? You need a job breakthrough and the 11th hour you get it. You, you need a miracle in the family in the 11th hour, it comes. You need a moment when you need a check in the post and the 11th hour, it appears. It seems sometimes God likes to lead it to the last minute. Have you ever experienced that? It's like, oh really? What are you trying to teach me? It's simple, trust me. Trust me that I'm with you. Trust me that I will sustain you because the beauty is when I appear to you in your darkness. And that is a great mystery. That in the midst of my darkest, darkest time, when I feel stripped away of all that I have and own, and metaphorically I feel naked before God, you may have lost your reputation, you may have lost all things, you may feel humiliated, you may feel broken, you may feel... And then, on your knees before God, in the darkest hour, Jesus comes. In that hospital bed, Jesus comes. In that battle, Jesus comes and meets us. Can barely, times verbalize how important that is in our Christian faith. That when we go through the toughest and the darkest of times, Jesus comes. 
it's, it's the darkest moment. He comes, like Joe said, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Isn't that sometimes, C.S. Lewis said, God whispers at us in pleasure, but he shouts at us in pain. He, he, he speaks to us. When we're going through the t- most difficult times, he's present in the mystery of that, that we know his presence and power. Matthew carries on, but when the disciples saw him walking on lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried. It was like they're reading Coleridge's Ancient Mariner. Who is this? Or if you don't know what Coleridge is or Ancient Mariner, a uh, great uh, British poet with Wordsworth, maybe think of, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean. Suddenly, in the darkness, they see this figure and they're thinking... What is going on? There is somebody standing there on the water and they are afraid. What is this? A ghost? An apparition? No. What is this? And Jesus says, take courage. It is I. What did he say? They said, it's Jesus. Really? And you know that in the middle of a storm and the wind is blowing. So Jesus is walking on the water. And I imagine this, that he is on the water and he's literally Bobbing up and down. So the boat goes up. Who's that then? It's a ghost. No, it's not. The boat goes down. Who do you think that was? The boat comes up. It is I, Jesus. What, Jesus? The boat comes back up. It is I. It's a ghost. It's not a ghost. It's me. The boat goes down. Uh, Is that Jesus bobbing up and down on the water? Sometimes... In the darkest time of your life, God provides answers. And sometimes we're so confused we don't recognize when God turns up. And sometimes we need to look in the darkness for the surprises that God has for us. And what bigger surprise it is than the saviour of the world comes and he appears. And what greater surprise it is that he comes in the middle of the darkness. He's present. So take courage. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It is I. Or literally, as you could say, it is I am. I am with you. I care for you. I am with you at this moment. And Peter, of course, focuses on Jesus and says, Jesus, if it is you, tell me to get out the boat. And Jesus says, get out the boat. And Peter says, oh, great. And he jumps out the boat and instantly he starts to sink because he looks at the wind and the waves. But Jesus says, he looks at Jesus and as soon as he focuses his eyes on Jesus, everything starts to change in the story. And the more you and I focus on Jesus, the more our story changes. The more we focus on Jesus, the greater the moment, the greater. You see, Peter walks on water for that moment. But but how can he walk on water? It's because of the person that is telling. And what he's actually saying is, 
if that is really Jesus Christ and you are not a ghost, a phantom, or an apparition, then if that is really you at this moment, then I will tell me to get out the boat. Yes, Jesus says, get out the boat. Jesus gets out the boat on the strength of one thing. I can do the impossible because of who is asking me to do the impossible. And if Jesus is asking you to do the impossible, you can do the impossible because when Christ speaks, it will be done. You can get out of the boat. You can walk on the water. In other words, in the middle of your storm, you needn't sink. But you fix your eyes on Jesus and you can do something you never thought you could do. What's that? That is to get through this situation. You've come this morning with situations. You can get through it. You can. Fix your eyes on Jesus. You're carrying a burden. You can get through it. Fix your eyes on Jesus. It's the darkest hour. Fix your eyes on Jesus. It is when we focus upon Christ, we begin to find and receive his help. Lord, save me. Probably the best prayer we can pray. Yeah? Who's praying that prayer this week? Who's in the middle of that moment of praying, Lord, save me? Be with me. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. What was that all about, Jesus? Well, many people had left Jesus after his hard teaching in the, towards the end of this chapter. Many disciples walked away when Jesus said, hey, I'm the bread of life. Many abandoned him. But what does Peter say? Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. I am not with you because of the material gain that I can get. I'm not with you for an easy life. I'm not with you because everything is perfect. I'm with you because where shall we go? Because you are the only one who has the words of eternal life. You're the only one that comes. And that is the question for all of us. Only Christ has the words of eternal life. He is the only one. He is the master of the storms of life. And as the master of the storms of Christ, he wants to come to you. Then those who were in the boat worshipped Don't you find that you worship Jesus more than you've ever worshipped him when you've been through the darkest time and come through the third hour? Don't you find that? And then they reach the other side. Then it's like in the the scripture, they just reach there. It's like the boat just had a speed engine put on it. It just got there. I love that. Uh, Then they were willing to take him into the boat and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. Was the boat sort of like invisibly transported? Probably it was this, that when you are enraptured with Jesus, 
the journey becomes a lot easier. And suddenly, you're there because you've got your eyes fixed in worship with Jesus. It all flows out of worship. It all flows out of trusting. It all flows out of holding on. So finally, following Christ will certainly bring us into difficult winds. It is comforting to know that he sees all, he understands and cares. Finally, be open to the hand of God in your life. Focus your gaze today. And you will get through the darkest hour within your life. I find that immensely encouraging. That he'll get me through. That he will get me through. And maybe this morning as we close and we worship, people will be available to pray with you. I'll invite elders and their wives and prayer team to come. But if you're going through that storm, that darkest hour, fix your eyes on Jesus and ask him, come and comfort me. Come and be with me. Come and speak to me. The darkest hour, the 11th hour. I said about Lazarus. The reason is that Lazarus died, but Jesus had a different perspective about the whole situation until he turned up and did the miracle. There in the storm, Jesus had a different perspective because he's on the mountain. He could see what was going on. He knew the right time to turn up and to do the miracle and to change their hearts. May God do that miracle within our hearts and within our lives this morning. Let's stand. Just before we worship, I'd love to pray for you as your pastor for a moment. You're in the middle of a storm. And you need God to meet with you. If that's you, just slip your hand up for a second. Okay. So many of us. In the middle of a storm. Well, you're in the right place this morning. And Lord, I pray for each one that is here, that is in the middle of this storm. I pray in the middle of this storm that you, Jesus, will come. That you, Jesus, will come into our boat and you will meet with us. We choose today to fix our gaze on you. We choose to come and forget time and space as if a moment lasts forever and being raptured by you, having traveled through the storm. For those that have gone through storms, I pray, Lord, that you will come and heal them in their pain. The after effects, the fear, the trauma, the difficulty,
Come to them now, Lord. In these final moments, Holy Spirit, come. Meet now, I pray, with us. Amen.